Allah says, Inna indeed, Allah, Allah, ishtara, He has purchased, min al-mu'mineen from the believers. Allah has purchased from the believers. Ishtara is from the root letter, sheen, ra, ya. From the word ishtira. And ishtira is to buy something. Remember about the munafiqeen? At the beginning of the Qur'an we learned, أُولَٰئِكَ الَّذِينَ اشْتَرَوُ الضَّلَالَةَ They are the ones who have purchased misguidance. They have taken misguidance in exchange for what? Bilhuda Guidance. They gave huda. And what did they take? Misguidance. The munafiqeen. So we see that ishtira is about what? Taking something and giving something in return for it. So for example, you go to a store and you take a book, but then you give $10. That is what? What is that? Ishtira. Right? It's a transaction. And remember that a transaction doesn't always have to be of something you know, tangible. It can also be something intangible. So for example, you say to someone, you do this for me and I'll do that for you. Hmm? You cook for me and I'll clean for you. Deal. What is that? It's a deal. It's a promise. Right? So, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى Allah has purchased, He has taken something from the believers. And if He's taking something from the believers, it's understood that He's giving something in return. Okay. The question is, what is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has taken from the believers? أَنفُسَهُمْ Their anfus. وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ and their amwal. Anfus, plural of nafs. What is nafs? Soul, self, life. And amwal, plural of mal. What is mal? What is mal? Property. And that includes your clothes and your pens and your food and your house and your money. Right? Whatever it may be. Amwal. So Allah has taken two things from the believers. Their lives and their properties. Tell me something. What do you have in your life? What have you got? It's these two things, right? It's your soul, your life, yourself, your body, your time. And secondly, it's the things that you've got. What do we learn over here? Allah has taken both from the believers. So everything that the believers have basically, who's taken it from them? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, and what's in it for them? What is he giving them in return? Bianna, because indeed, lahum for them al jannah. Because Allah promises them jannah in return. So the price of jannah is what? Hope. Yeah? What do you have to give to get jannah? Hope? Just hope. I really, 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 really want to go to jannah. I really, really hope that God will, you know, send me to paradise. Hope. Is that sufficient? No. Do you ever stand in front of a university and say, I really, 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 really wish that I could become a doctor one day? What are you told? Step in. Please, go inside, register, take your tests, study, pass your exams, and then hopefully one day, you'll become a doctor. Do you become a doctor by just wishing? Okay. How many of you want a house? 
or like a place of your own. And I'm not just talking about people who are married, even singles. I wish this space was mine. I mean, my mother didn't have any control over it. My father didn't have any control over it. My brother didn't have any control over it. Just mine. How many of you wish that? Okay. So, to materialize this wish, what do you need to do? What do you tell yourself? I'm going to get a job so that I can pay rent myself. I can move out. Yeah? What comes to your mind? First thing, I need a job so that I can make money. I'm not saying please do that. I'm just talking about how people typically think, how teenagers think, how young adults think. Right? Do you think like that sometimes? Or am I talking about strange weird people who are non-existent? It happens, right? These thoughts do come to your mind. You find out, oh, somebody rented out an apartment and they're only paying this much money. You're like, you know what? I could do that too. And I'll have all the freedom that I want. But what hits you? I don't have money. Right? I don't have money. So I need a source of income. I need to get a job. Okay. Now you get a job and you get your paycheck. Those of you who are living independently, when you get your money, what happens with that money? What happens? You have to go either all of it or 50% of it or 80% of it or 25, whatever it is. You have to give it in order to make some place yours. Isn't that so? Think about it. How much money is it that people spend on their houses? Whether it's a house that they bought or a house that they're paying mortgage on or a house that they're paying rent on, whatever the case is. Do you have to give money in order to live in a place? You have to give money, right? How much of your money? A big chunk of it. A big, big chunk of it. I mean, there are women who have actually sold their gold jewelry that they got on their wedding. Why? Just so that together, them and their husband can buy a house. So that we have a place to live in. And where is this house? In this world, on a street, right? That collects snow in winter. And in the summer, it's surrounded by weeds, right? But just to afford that house, how much of our time and money is going? If you think about it, people work. Why? So that they can make money. Why? So that they can pay rent. Right? They are working. How many hours a day? Eight hours, ten hours, sometimes double shifts. Right? Sometimes even on the weekends, seven days a week, five days a week, six days a week, either full time or part time, whatever it is. Why? So that you can have a house. You can have a place to live in. Then how do we think that we'll go on the day of judgment with nothing and we'll say, Ya Allah, please, can we go to Jannah? You have to show something. You have to give something. You have to earn it. You're not going to get a house for free. You're not going to get a car for free. You're not going to get an education for free. You have to spend your time, your money, your life, your sweat, your blood into it. Isn't it? You have to put your everything into whatever you want in life. If this world, which is dunya, which is much lesser compared to the akhirah, if that demands so much from us, we think akhirah will come for free? You have to pay the price for it. And what's the price? What does Allah tell us over here? 
ان الله اشترى من المؤمنين انفسهم واموالهم بان لهم الجنه so if we want jannah we have to give two things what is it that we have to give my life and my money who want to go to Jannah. So everybody raised their hand. Then after that, he asked, who want to die? Nobody raised their hand. Then he said, like, um, your eyes are on the price. Means you want to go to Jannah, but you have to pay the price here in this world. Yes. Anything in life, if you want to get it, you have to pay the price for it. Right? So the price for Jannah is what? That Allah has purchased from the believers anfusahum wa amwalahum bi'anna lahumul jannah. So what does it mean then? That a believer's life and a believer's money, they belong to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, have you ever sold anything? Yeah? Like what? Anybody? Any experience selling anything? Yeah. Game station? Okay, you're we. What happened? How did you go about it? Okay, so you put an ad up on Kijiji, then what happened? Then you get calls from people. Okay, so somebody called you, then what happened? Uh, set up a time to meet, then what happened? So you take it there and they check, they examine, okay, yeah, this is a picture that you posted, and yes, it's got everything, yeah, it, it works, okay, then what happens? They bite off of you. How? They give you the money and they take your we. Once they've taken your we, can you say, Uh, hey, can I play with it? <laughs> can I use it? But I remember the day I bought it. You can't just take it away from me like that. What is he going to say? I gave you money, now it's mine. No way. And if you say, but I am the one who purchased it first. I went to the store and I picked it up. My dad got it for me. And you say, you know what, I'm going to take it from you. So they give you the money, and yet you say, I'm too attached to this we. Never am I going to let go of it. What are they going to say? They're going to call the cops on you. Right? It's not your property anymore. You cannot treat it like your own property. It's like somebody selling their house, and they come back to check up on it, and they look through the windows. Huh? And then they go into the backyard, they climb over, the, and they're like, excuse me? You're trespassing. They're like, no, 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 this house was mine once upon a time. I remember buying this place even before it was bought. I booked it, and I owned it for 25 years, and I just sold it to you, you know, two months ago. How can you treat me like this? What's the new owner going to say? This house is mine. It's my property. You sold it to me. So you can't just walk in. Right? So what do we learn from here? Allah owns our life and our money. It belongs to who? Him. So what does it mean then? We cannot do with our lives whatever we want to do. We cannot do with our money whatever we want to do. We always have to keep in mind what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do. And whenever Allah wants from us to do something with our lives, to do something with our money, can we hold back? Can we say, it's my life? Can you say that? Can you say, it's my money? Can we say that to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Can we say that to the cause of Allah? No. This money that we have is whose? 
it actually belongs to who? The king, the lord of the worlds. Right? This life, this time belongs to who? Who gave it to us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We've given it to who? Him. Why? So that we can have jannah in the hereafter. So who's the boss then? We or someone else? Someone else. Who decides what we do with our money, what we do with our time, what we do with our life? Who decides? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to follow His commands now if we want jannah. Because you might say, well, the money is still with me. Right? I still have control over my life. Okay, but you know what? It belongs to Allah. And this is the test that we're in. Right? That it belongs to Allah. Now we have to keep in mind what Allah wants from us. So, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Now if you think about it, there's so many things that we spend our money into anyway. Right? And we spend our lives in anyway. What do we get in return? Sometimes a house. Sometimes a certificate. Right? Sometimes the approval of people, whatever it may be. We spend our time, we spend our money into getting many things. But what are those things compared to Jannah? What are they? Nothing at all. Nothing at all. Think about it. A certificate that you got, you got it framed, you put it up on your wall. Right? And it's hanging over there for many years. You think it's gonna forever hang there? You think it's gonna forever hang there? What's gonna happen one day? Somebody's gonna come and take it off. Even if it's 25 years later, somebody's gonna eventually take it off. Maybe somebody will keep it for like 10, 20, 30 years, but then what will they say? It's useless. You're lying in your grave and your certificate is being thrown away. Does it matter? Does it matter? It doesn't. So is it really worth it if we spend our time and our money into pursuing the things of this world? Is it really worth it? If you spend all of your earnings and your savings into just buying a house so that you can live a comfortable life and you've forgotten about halal and haram and you've forgotten about salah and qiyam, everything is forgotten. The entire focus is the house. What good is that house? How long is it going to stand? How long is it going to be a source of comfort for you? There is a book, Fiqhul Qulub, in which the author writes, مَنْ أَحَبَّ اللَّهَ أَنِسَ بِهِ وَمَنْ أَحَبَّ غَيْرَ اللَّهِ عُذِّبَ بِهِ Whoever loves Allah will enjoy close friendship with Allah. And whoever loves other than Allah will be punished through it will be tortured and tormented through it. Through what? What we love other than Allah. And think about it. A house that was a source of pride one day is a source of torture for a person when they're standing and all the dirt and the mess and the dirty dishes are just staring at you. And your hand is hurting and your back is aching and you've got too many other important things to do and you don't want to clean this house that you once purchased with all your heart. He's going to be tortured through it. Assalamu alaikum. Um, in terms of like certificates and stuff that you're mentioning, um, a lot of times in this world what happens is that like we get a degree, for example, we'll have a big plaque on our wall. Um, we'll have to replace that because 
everything in this world, like even education is moving forward. Mm -hmm. Every few years a doctor has to retake tests, you know, to confirm his degree. Every few years any IT expert is going to have to take new certifications, new courses to learn the new technology that's coming out every few months. Yeah. It's going to get outdated. It's going to torture you. After a couple of years, it's going to bother you, right? So, إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ Allah offers us a much, much better deal. Much better deal. Give your life, give your money to Allah. Spend your life the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to. Spend your money the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants you to. In a way that will bring you closer to Him. In a way that will bring you His approval. And what will you get in return? Just happiness and peace in this life? No. Comfort in the grave. Ease on the day of judgment. And eternal happiness in Jannah. Is there any other deal that is like this? Any other deal? Not at all. You won't find anything like it. So once their lives belong to Allah, Allah says, يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ They even go to the extent of what? قِتَال فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ Fighting in the way of Allah. And qital is what? Basically putting your life at risk. Remember that when the Sahaba went for Tabuk, they weren't just going to another country to see, oh, what's out there? No. They were going, risking their lives with a very high probability that if they end up fighting with the Romans, they're not going to come back alive. Because they knew what happened in the last encounter with the Romans. They were putting their lives at risk, in danger. يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَيَقْتُلُونَ So they kill. Meaning they end up killing the enemy. وَيُقْتَلُونَ And they get killed. They even get killed. They lose their lives in the way of Allah. وَعْدًا عَلَيْهِ حَقًّا A promise on Allah حَقًّا in truth. Meaning this is a promise that Allah has made with the believers. What promise? That if they give their lives in the way of Allah, if they live in the way of Allah, for the cause of Allah, in obedience to Allah, then what will happen? He will definitely grant them Jannah. And this promise Allah made with the believers, not just the believers who are of Ummah Muhammad wasallam, but even the Ummah that came before. Wa'dan alayhi haqqan. This word, this promise is also mentioned where? Was also made with who? With the previous nations. So it's mentioned fit Torah, in the Torah, wal-Injil and the Injil, wal-Quran and the Quran. Because the previous nations also, the followers of the prophets, they were also obligated to defend themselves when it came to the matter of religion. So if somebody waged war against them, they had to stand up, they had to risk their lives. They were not allowed to leave their religion just so that their lives could be spared. They had to live their religion because their lives belonged to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now they can't say, I decide what I want to do. No, it's about what Allah has commanded you. And if somebody raises their weapon against you because of your choice of religion, then yes, you're putting your life in danger. But this life belongs to Allah anyway. So we learn that from here, the Yahud and the Nasara, even they were obligated to do jihad. وَمَنْ أَوْفَى بِعَهْدِهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ And who is more true in his promise than Allah. Awfa is from wawfaya, wafa is to fulfill. In other words, who would fulfill their promise better than Allah? 
If you think about it, many people make promises. We're making promises all the time, right? But what happens? Many times we're not able to fulfill promise. Why? There are two reasons behind not fulfilling a promise. One is khiyana. Treachery, deceit. So you basically break the promise deliberately. Do people do that? All the time. Another reason is weakness. You had the intention of fulfilling the promise, but what happened? You weren't able to. You weren't able to. You had the intention to give the money to somebody, but what happened? You have no money. You lost everything. Somebody stole your wallet. You lost it. So you're weak in fulfilling your promise. And as a result, you're not able to fulfill the promise. Allah says over here, وَمَنْ أَوْفَى بِعَهْدِهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ Who can fulfill their promise better than Allah? No one. Because Allah does not cheat. Not at all. Allah is above this deficiency and weakness. And secondly, Allah is all-powerful and all-able to fulfill His promise. What happens in this world? You make a deal with somebody and they say, okay, you'll have this product delivered to you by this date. And on that date, you're waiting. Okay, so where is it? You call them up. They're like, oh, you know what happened? Your whatever thing you purchased was being delivered to you, but in the process it got damaged. So this happened and that happened. They're too weak to fulfill their promise, isn't it? No matter how big shot they are, no matter how much money they've got, they're weak. They're not able to fulfill their promises. But if Allah makes a promise with someone, You live your life how I want you to, and in return you're getting Jannah. You think Allah would ever break His promise? Never. So what's the fear? If you're ever making a deal with somebody, what's the fear? Why are you hesitant? What if they don't give me my money? What if they don't show up? What if they don't do their part of the transaction? And here, I'm going to be suffering. Right? So that makes you hesitant. You don't want to conclude that deal. Right? But what do we learn over here? You make this promise with Allah, you give up your life and your wealth for the sake of Allah, and what will happen? Allah will definitely give Jannah. فَاسْتَبْشِرُوا So rejoice, be happy, بِبَيْعِكُمْ With your transaction. الَّذِي which بَيَعْتُمْ بِهِ You have transacted with Him. Be happy with this transaction that you've just made with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ And that is a great achievement. Have you ever gone somewhere and signed papers or anything? What happens once you've signed the papers? You're like, yay! Yay, I'm getting it. Right? I'm finally gonna get this thing. You're so happy. Allah says, be happy now. Allah will give you Jannah if you give your life and your money to Him. Now, what does this ayah mean? Does this mean that a person must go and just wage war against any random person And just make sure that they say Allahu Akbar and then they you know, blow a bomb or something and they die and they say in the way of God. Yeah? Is this what this ayah is telling us? This ayah is basically telling us about what? Your life and your money belongs to Allah. So you're on call. Okay? So whenever the deen demands anything from your time, anything from your money, you don't stay back. You come forward. Because you see, the expedition of Tabuk, what did that mean? Everybody had to go. Nobody was allowed to stay back. So many times it happens that we are busy in our studies, we are busy with our family, but 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls us. Hmm? The deen of Allah needs us. We need to do something for the religion of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So at that time, should we say, but what about my money? And what about my family? And what about my time? And what about my rest? And what about my comfort? No. Your life belongs to Allah. There is no my anymore. Cross that out completely. There is no my anymore. Your morning and your night. You're a full-time servant of God. Full-time. That means 24-7-365. Not 10 to 12 or 10 to 1 on weekends when we sit in a class and read Qur'an. That's not the only time. Even outside of that class. Even when we're walking outside. Right? Even when we are studying. So that means anytime Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to do something, whether it is salah, or it is fasting, or it is a recitation of the Qur'an, we don't say, but this first and then I'll think about it. doesn't matter whether the days are long in summer. If it's the month of Ramadan, you have to fast because your life belongs to Allah. Right? doesn't matter if you finally manage to save $10,000. Now you have to go for hajj because it's fadl on you. Too bad. Your life, your money belongs to Allah. Right? You see, there are many things that we do in this life in which we give up really everything. So for example, you manage to save up $5,000 over the past year. Your parents or whoever. And now they have to give taxes and you find out everything's gone. All those $5,000 that you managed to save, they're gone in taxes. What do you say at that time? Forget this country man, going back home. Yeah? Like no, 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 no. It's okay if we have to give taxes because we've accepted that we're Canadians, this is a system of life over here. You get benefits in return. Right? If you pay taxes. So we've accepted it no matter how difficult it is. Isn't it? If we are going to school, we've accepted the fact that we are going five days a week. Right? We're going to university. We've accepted the fact that at a certain time of the year there will be a reading week. There will be a time when we will have midterms. Right? And there might be a year or two when we will have to take summer programs also. Right? We've accepted it. If a person wants to become a doctor, he's accepted the fact that he's going to be on night shifts, on very, very long shifts. They've accepted it. Because they want something at the end. So a believer, for him, religion is not section of his life that he only uh, you know, is connected with when he goes to the masjid. No, no, no. It's his life. It's what his life is about. Religion dictates her life. The religion is her life. That is her life. That is who she is. That is what she's defined by. That is what dictates everything. Whether it is buying a house or selling something, living somewhere, studying something, you know, working somewhere, everything comes under what? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed me to do or has not allowed me to do. So this is what this ayah means. And every believer, every person who says, La ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah, has made this bargain with Allah. And now it's up to us. How much is it that we fulfill this? Right? Because depending on how much we fulfill it, I mean, that's what we're going to get at the end. Right? So for example, if you're supposed to complete 20 hours for a particular course, then if you do five, then what are you going to get at the end? Nothing. 
right? And if you do the 20, then what are you going to get? You're going to get your course credit, right? Jannah is massive. It is huge. And you can take from Jannah how much ever you want. But that is based on what? Based on what? How much you strive. Because your want is dependent on what? How much you do. How much you strive to get Jannah. So if a person says, okay, I will only memorize three surahs of the Qur'an. So okay, on the Day of Judgment, the person will be told, Iqra or taqi, when he's done reciting the three surahs, that's where he will be in Jannah. But if a person says, you know what, I know a lot of things, I know all those weird, strange formulas, and I know the names of all these people, and I know what team they play in, and what movie they starred in, right? The place they come from. So they say, you know what? I also have the capacity to learn maybe five more surahs. Yeah? Do we have that capacity? Come on. If we know the names of the most strangest things, can we not learn another five surahs? We can, right? So it depends on how far we want to go. The more we strive, the more effort we put in, the farther we go, the more reward Allah has to offer. But you want to be someone who, who should want to take it. Allah has a lot to give. He's ذُلْ فَضْلِ azim. It's up to us how much of His fadl we want. How much is it that we strive for? So now that a person has made this deal with Allah, he has to do certain things. Right? When a person is living his life truly, for the sake of Allah, in the way of Allah, using his money from earning it to spending it the way Allah wants him, then what will happen? He will be doing certain things. What are those characteristics? Allah says, first of all, At-ta'ibun, Al-abidun, Al-hamidun, As-sa'ihun, Al-raki'un, As-sajidun, Al-amiruna bil-ma'ruf, Wal-nahuna anil-munkar, Wal-hafiduna li-hududillah, Wa-bashiril-mu'mineen. These are the qualities of the believers for whom is Jannah. First of all, At-ta'ibun. At-ta'ibun? Plural of ta'ib. Who is ta'ib? Who is ta'ib? The one who does? Tawbah, the one who repents. Now you know, this could also have been said as الَّذِينَ يَتُوبُونَ Those who do tawbah. But when tawbah has been mentioned as التَّائِبُونَ Those who do tawbah, the people who do tawbah, what does it mean? They don't do tawbah once, and they say, okay, I've done tawbah once. I did tawbah like five years ago, so I should be clean till today. No, التَّائِبُونَ means that they're doing tawbah, Constantly, again and again and again and again, doing tawbah. Tell me something. Who needs to do tawbah? Which person needs to do tawbah? Okay, all of us, yeah. But if someone is doing tawbah, what does that mean? What have they done? Something wrong. Isn't this amazing? People who go to Jannah are not perfect human beings who never commit any sin, who never make mistakes. No, they make mistakes again and again and again. So they need to do tawbah again and again and again. They fall and they get up. They slip and they stand up. They trip and they get up again. And again and again and again. At-ta'ibun. Always, always doing tawbah because they're not perfect human beings. 
And this is true. Every person who is in the way of Allah, he will definitely make mistakes. We see that companions who were very strong in their faith, what happened at the occasion of Tabuk? There were people like huh? Abu Lubaba anhu who procrastinated, said, okay, we'll go. Yeah, we'll go tomorrow. We'll go tomorrow. And then what happened? They missed the chance completely. There were people like Ka'ab anhu whose story we will learn in detail. There were people who had participated in Badr. Imagine, Badr. There were people who were with the Prophet ﷺ everywhere, all the time. But what happened at Tabuk? They were human beings. Some of them made a mistake. They delayed going until they lost their chance completely. But what did they do? Did their sin define them? No. They overcame that. How? By doing tawbah. By saying sorry to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. At-ta'ibun. Those who are always going back to Allah. Always turning back. And remember, every time you commit a sin, and you do tawbah, remember, you will commit a sin again. You will. Because you're a human being. We will, definitely. But what is it that we need to do? Every time we fall, seek forgiveness. Every time we commit a sin, go back to Allah. Isn't this basically what the surah is teaching us? Surah Tawbah is what? An invitation to repentance. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done. And you might say, yeah, but Jannah is not, you know, for people like me who are sinful. You know what? Jannah is for people. And people make mistakes. And which people will make it to Jannah? Those who make mistakes and who do tawbah. Ta'ibun. At-ta'ibun. And this shows to us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not demand perfection from us, that we become angels. We become completely perfect in every way. So we're always, always smiling to our parents and we never say you know, any disrespectful word. We're human beings. There will always be times when we will fall. But what is necessary? Go back. Apologize. Tawbah. At-ta'ibun. Al-abidun. Those who do ibadah. When someone has given their life to Allah, then they will do ibadah. They will worship Allah. Al-abidun. Al-hamidun. Who are hamidun? Those who do? Hamd. What is hamd? Praise. So they're praising who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Those who are saying, Alhamdulillah. Subhanallah wa bihamdihi. Those who do hamd. When do they praise Allah? What does hamidun show? They praise Allah all the time. When things are good and when things are tough. Alhamdulillah and also Alhamdulillah ala kulli hal. Right? Alhamdulillah on receiving a blessing. Alhamdulillah on going through some test, through some difficulty. Alhamdulillah when people praise you. Alhamdulillah when you realize you have failed. No matter what happens, the credit goes to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Praising Him, thanking Him, remembering Him, showing gratitude to Him. There's such a beautiful story that we learn in Sahih Bukhari about Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu. Once the Prophet ﷺ had to go and visit this tribe in order to resolve a dispute that they had. So he was gone and when he was gone, the people in Medina, 
the time for prayer entered and they didn't know if the Prophet ﷺ was going to come right away or if he was going to come the next day or if he was going to come in a couple of hours. So the time of prayer came in. Now salah had to be performed. So the Mu'adhan, he went to Abu Bakr and he said, would you lead the prayer? Because the Prophet ﷺ is not here. Abu Bakr and he said, yes, I will. So what happened? Salah started. Abu Bakr who is leading. And who comes in? The Prophet ﷺ. So what happened? As the Prophet ﷺ came, he's going through the masjid, he reaches the first row, people they start clapping. Why? In order to alert Abu Bakr that, you know, the Prophet ﷺ is here, so you better step back. Abu Bakr ﷺ was someone who when he was praying salah, he would not look here and there. كَانَ لَا يَلْتَفِتُ فِي الصَّلَاةِ He would not do iltifat in salah. So people are clapping, there's noise. And he's not looking away. Until the people were like, Making a lot of noise. So finally Abu Bakr who got distracted. And he looked back and he saw the Prophet ﷺ. He saw the Prophet ﷺ. Immediately he started to step back. And the Prophet ﷺ, he indicated towards him, gestured towards him, that stay where you are, continue as Imam. It's okay, I'll join the Jama'ah. Abu Bakr who raised up his hands and said, Alhamdulillah, he praised Allah. And he insisted and he went back until he joined the row. And the Prophet ﷺ came forward and he led the people in prayer. After the salah, the Prophet ﷺ asked Abu Bakr, what happened? When I told you to carry on, why didn't you listen to me? Abu Bakr said, it does not befit the son of Abi Quhafa to stand before the Prophet ﷺ. It does not befit the son of Abi Quhafa to stand and lead the prayer when the Prophet ﷺ is standing behind him. What do we see over here? Abu Bakr anhu, if he's being told by the Prophet ﷺ, you carry on as Imam. Can you imagine what honor the Prophet ﷺ is giving him? What immense honor he's giving him? You be Imam, I'm following you. Can you imagine? And what was the response of Abu Bakr? Allah. He just glorified Allah. Perfect are you, O Allah. I am nothing. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve this. Alhamidun. Those who glorify and praise Allah all the time. Put yourself in that situation. If somebody says to us, carry on, you be the imam, we'd be like, I deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> I am the best. And Abu Bakr anhu, I am the son of Abi Quhafa. It doesn't befit me. Hamid Allah. He remembered the greatness of Allah. And his messenger. And he stepped back. He glorified Allah. Alhamidun. In a hadith we learn that the most superior servants on the day of judgment will be alhamadun. Those who do a lot of hamd of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The most superior servants on the day of judgment. Those who will be given the highest honor will be who? Those who? Honor Allah today. Those who praise Allah today. Those who glorify Him. Alhamidun. Those who do hamd. Asa'ihun. Those who travel. Plural of sa'ih. Who is sa'ih? From siyaha. Siniyaha. Siyaha is basically to travel. So asa'ihun. Those who travel. Having a lot of fun in their life. Yeah? Think about the travels of the Prophet ﷺ and his companions. By the way, travel, is it fun? 
I mean, generally it is. I mean, these days, if you think about it, people travel for what? Leisure. For vacation. To have a good time. Right? You save up and whenever you've got enough money, you go and travel. So that you can relax. You can have fun. But travel is fun only when it's for the purpose of fun. Right? When it's for work, is it fun? Is it fun? No, it's not. It's not fun. You know why? Because you're in a different place. You took a long flight. Now you finally get to your destination and you're not relaxing. You're jet lagged and you have to go and work somewhere. You have to go and do a presentation somewhere. You have to go and sell something. You have to go and buy something. You have to go sit in a meeting. Travel is not easy when it's for work. Anyone whose family member is has to travel a lot for work? Hmm? So what happens? Who travels in your family a lot? Your father. Does he love it? No. Do you love it? No. Because you have to miss your father, right? Many times it happens that people have to switch their jobs because this travel lifestyle is not suiting them anymore. It's too difficult. But what do we learn over here? That those who've given their lives to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then they also have to travel. And you know who came to my mind when I read this today? As-sa'ihun. I was thinking about these amazing shuyukh who one day are in Dubai and the other day they're in North America and they're somewhere else and they're somewhere else and they're somewhere else. And you might think, well, they must travel, you know, first class, business class, best seats, not necessarily. Not necessarily. And even if it is like that, travel in itself, is it something easy? No. It's very difficult. Because, you know, like when you're traveling, do you eat properly? Do you sleep properly? Can you do your laundry comfortably? Can you iron your clothes comfortably? Everything begins to bother you. And you're like, you know what? I just want to get home. Just want to get home so that I can have my dal chavo. Alright, your simple meal. That's all you want. And I can just sit on my couch. That's all you want. Take my socks off and just sit on the couch. Right? Traveling is not easy. And imagine the Prophet ﷺ, his companions, they would have to travel through the desert. Jaish al-Usra. With so much difficulty. Walking under the sun on burning hot sand with very little food and water and going to a place where they don't know what was going to happen whether they're going to fight or what was going to happen whether they're going to come back alive or what was going to happen they didn't know it was completely unexpected these days at least you have an idea okay we have to check in at this hotel we have to stay in this person's house as-sa'ihun you have to leave the comfort of your house in order to travel So sometimes a person has to travel in order to seek knowledge. Right? And sometimes a traveling means get out of your bed, even on a weekend at 9 a.m. so that you can have your breakfast and get ready and drive for 45 minutes to a Qur'an class or drive for an hour to a Qur'an class and pick five people up on the way. This is also what? Travel. As-sa'ihun. People travel to shop. People travel to eat at a restaurant. Right? People travel so that they can go have a good time at Disney. They travel so that they can go stand at a beach. Those who've given their lives to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they travel for whose sake? 
for the sake of Allah. And for what purpose? For the purpose of religion, for the purpose of deen, in order to learn it, in order to teach it, in order to promote it, in order to defend it, in order to worship Allah. If you think about it, Hajj, Umrah, isn't that siyaha? That is also travel. And whoever said that Hajj was easy, no matter what package you get, whoever said that Hajj was easy, it is not easy. Because when you're stuck in your bus for eight hours on the road, even if it's air-conditioned and you have all those snacks, just realizing that you're stuck in a bus on the road is very, very difficult. Asa'ihun. They leave the comfort of their homes and they travel for the sake of Allah. Many women, what happens? They find it difficult to attend a class regularly because they say, my home will get neglected then. Hmm? We have made our home so comfortable, right? And we want everything to be perfect all the time. And because of that, we don't want to do anything else because we don't want to disturb that comfort. Sa'ihun means definitely the comfort of their home is going to get affected. There are going to be times when there is going to be huge loads of laundry waiting for them. Piles of dishes waiting for them. But asa'ihun. People go every morning to work, right? They go at night to work. They will go party for hours. Why can we not travel for the sake of Allah? For a couple of hours, for a couple of days, to learn something, to teach something. As-sa'ihun. Ar-raki'un. Those who do rukur. As-sajidun. Those who do sajda. Meaning in all of the striving for the cause of Allah, they don't neglect worship. They're also foremost in the worship of Allah. Ahead. Busy in the worship of Allah. Raki'un sajidun. Notice, salah has not been mentioned. Rukur and sajda has been mentioned. Why? Because it shows that they're begging Allah, asking Him for help, humbling themselves before Him. Because the one who's in the way of Allah, for sure he will face a lot of difficulties. For sure, he will go through many challenges. So what happens? There is a need to do istikhara. There is a need to pray nafal. Ya Allah, you help me. Ya Allah, you make it easy for me. Ar-raki'un, as-sajidun. Those who've given their lives for Allah, they're not selfish people concerned only about themselves. Al-amirun. Those who order bil-ma'roof with the good. Meaning that which is good, they do it themselves and they also tell others to do it. They don't keep khair to themselves only. Al-amiruna bil-ma'roof. Wal-nahuna al-munkar. And those who forbid that which is wrong. They're living the khair and they're sharing the khair. Al-amiruna bil-ma'roof. Wal-nahuna al-munkar. Wal-hafizoon. And those who guard. Li-hududillah. The limits set by Allah. What are these limits? The commands that He's given. The prohibitions that He has set. Right? So those who guard the limits set by Allah, meaning they establish them. They are careful about it. So for example, in wudu, what are some of the commands that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given? Hudud. So for example, in wudu, you have to wash your face, you have to wash your hands, you have to wash your arms. Right? You have to wash your feet. There's several steps. Right? Now, it's difficult for me to roll up my sleeves because you know what, these days abayas, you know, they're so fashionable, so it's difficult to roll up my sleeves. So you know what, I'm just gonna wash my arms up till here, half of my arm. Because my sleeve doesn't go up anymore. Is this hafiluna lihudullah? Is it guarding the limits set by Allah? No. If we're going to, you know, a wedding and there's gonna be men over there also, and we're like, yeah, it's okay if my hair is made and you know, 
Murphy King, come on, it's a wedding. Is that hafizuna li hududillah? Everybody, all the men are looking at your hair, at your beauty. Is that maintaining, is that guarding the limits set by Allah? وَالْحَافِظُونَ لِحُدُودِ اللَّهِ They have limits in their life. They enjoy, they're happy, they do different things. They go, they meet people, they eat, whatever. They do things that normal people do. But they have hudud. They observe some limits. Which limits? Those that Allah has set for them. Allah says, وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ Give good news to the believers. Good news of what? Good news of what? Of Jannah. Let's listen to the recitation of these verses. إِنَّ اللَّهَ اشْتَرَى مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنفُسَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ بِأَنَّ لَهُمُ الْجَنَّةِ يُقَاتِلُونَ فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ فَيَقْتُلُونَ وَيُقْتَلُونَ وَعْدًا عَلَيْهِ حَقًّا فِي التَّوْرَاةِ وَالْإِنْجِيلِ وَالْقُرْآنِ وَمَنْ أَوْفَى بِعَهْدِهِ مِنَ اللَّهِ فَاسْتَبْشِرُوا بِبَيْعِكُمُ الَّذِي بَايَعْتُمْ بِهِ وَذَلِكَ هُوَ الْفَوْزُ الْعَظِيمُ التَّائِبُونَ الْعَابِدُونَ الْحَامِدُونَ السَّائِحُونَ الرَّاكِعُونَ السَّاجِدُونَ الْآمِرُونَ بِالْمَعْرُوفِ وَالنَّاهُونَ عَنِ الْمُنْكَرِ وَالْحَافِظُونَ لِحُدُودِ اللَّهِ وَبَشِّرِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ So what's the price of Jannah? Action. Your life, your money. And what is it that we spend our life and money in? Tawbah, ibadah, hamd, siyaha, rukur, sujood, amr bil ma'roof, nahi anil munkar, and hifz li hududillah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability to really take this seriously, not wishfully, but in reality, so that we can be qualified as who? المؤمنين